Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. Hello and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. With Richard Lummis, I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills. We believe leadership is a skill which can be improved with study of both good and bad practices, and we try to draw interesting examples from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today, we're finishing our annual review of movies that have won the Academy Award for Best Picture with No Country for Old Men, based on Cormac McCarthy's book of the same name. Released in 2007, it not only won Best Picture, it won Best Director for the Coen Brothers, Best Adapted Screenplay from the novel, and Best Supporting Actor for Javier Bardem as the psychopathic killer Anton Sugar. Set in 1980 West Texas, Josh Brolin is a welder and Vietnam vet Llewellyn Moss. The role was originally offered to Heath Ledger, uh, who turned it down. That would have been an interesting uh, casting choice. Tommy Lee Jones is uh, Sheriff Tom Bell. Woody Harrelson is rival hitman Carson Wells. The movie starts with a drug deal that's gone bad, leaving the landscape strewn with bodies. Moss comes on the scene while tracking a wounded pronghorn antelope and finds a briefcase with $2 million in cash in it, setting off a chase that leaves the rest of the countryside strewn with more bodies. Um, Tom, what's your impression of this movie? Uh, It was certainly violent. And uh, violence permeates uh, this movie uh, throughout. Um, The uh, means and methods, uh, people are tortured, killed, uh, maimed, uh, is... uh, almost unending. Um, a air gun is used uh, to uh, kill people uh, by um, uh, Joker. Uh, but I guess the... Well, well, well he starts off strangling a, the, a deputy with his handcuffs. Yes, yeah. uh, and he goes downhill from there. <laughs> but um, there are some really interesting themes uh, throughout this movie, Richard. Um, I'm not sure we can draw leadership lessons from them, but perhaps we can tease some of them out. Uh, the first was really a theme of destiny and self-determination. The Cohen Brothers movies seem to be um, a odds-connected series of events, or perhaps disconnected series of events, that lead to a tragic or semi-tragic ending, sometimes a comedic ending, starting with Blood Simple, uh, their first movie. Um, and while at first blush, this may seem to be that type of movie. Actually, I found a much more coherent pattern. And this coherent pattern is, is really the protagonists uh, in this movie, the Josh Brolin and Javier uh, ba- ba- Badiam? Bardem, Bardem uh, character. Ha- uh, Javier uh, has a couple of scenes where he uh, uh, challenges someone to correctly or incorrectly call a flip of a coin, and uh, he will make a decision to uh, kill them or not based upon uh, their calling of a, a, coin, a coin head flip. Um, there we clearly see uh, uh, perhaps luck involved. And the ending scene is with um, the Josh Brolin character's wife, uh, where he challenges to, to do that. And she says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow you, the, the decision to kill me, to be made by not only the flip of a coin, but also to take the... Uh, responsibility away from you, uh, of you saying, well, you just lost a coin flip, I'm going to plug you. And she she challenges him successfully on it, and he leaves her. Uh, so the, the themes of uh, 
destiny uh, versus self-determination are uh, in the movie. Um, certainly the, uh, the theme of the frontier. Uh, this is not the Wild West of the 1880s. This is the Wild West of the 1980s. And the, I thought about this theme a lot because I really wanted to talk about it. Um, at first, uh, it seemed to me that the Tommy Lee Jones character, Sheriff Tom Bell, was trying to articulate that things had changed. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought they've not changed. Uh, really, they haven't changed at all. Uh, now, he, uh, his role in the movie is a little bit different than the book. He had a much more prominent role in the book. Uh, and he does a lot of voiceover narrative in the book. Um, but he is frustrated because he thinks that the bad guys are getting the upper hand, whether that's from outgunning him, uh, being more sophisticated than him, not honoring, a, uh, living up to a code of honor uh, that he still subscribes to. Um, but I think these are all uh, his fault and his responsibility. Uh, criminals change as law enforcement becomes more sophisticated and they they move to a soft spot, whether that soft spot is enhanced uh, firepower, enhanced armament, uh, or more sophistication in types of crime, or actually even being more violent. And uh, law enforcement has to respond to that. And if I think back to, if we can think back to the, uh, not just the Republic of Texas law enforcement, but the law enforcement of the Texas Rangers, uh, after we became a state, I mean, the Rangers responded uh, with violence. And they responded in, in a violent society. And it, we, we laugh about or talk about one riot, one ranger, but it wasn't one riot, one ranger. It was 75 rangers in a corps, or a, <laughs> I think they called it a company. Yeah. And uh, so when you have 75 rangers surrounding three or four bank robbers, uh, it's going to be a long, <laughs> long sleep for the bank robbers uh, because they're probably not going to be taken alive. But it was a risk response that was appropriate at that time. And for Tommy Lee Jones to now uh, bemoan the fact that he can't go out and ride the range uh, and uh, successfully patrol a territory that is literally the size of the moon uh, and uh, with Mexican gangs that have firepower of small American armies or small Latin American armies, uh, I think uh, really uh, speaks to him not correctly assessing the time and place that he's being asked to do his job. And so when I thought through kind of the themes uh, of this movie for this podcast, as opposed to just being overwhelmed by uh, what appear to be an unrelated series of, of events or connections, uh, I, I really thought about um, every organization must evolve and law enforcement must evolve. Um, whether uh, even if we wanted to take it to today, where uh, what kind of wall should be in place on the southern border? Should it be a 15-foot concrete wall? Should it be a steel wall? Or should it be a combination of electronic surveillance, drones, or other uh, modern uh, surveillance techniques to allow at least some semblance of security on the southern border? Uh, or would none of that be applicable if you've all just coming in through tunnels? Um, maybe you need ground penetrating <laughs> radar. Uh, you know, there's literally different ways to uh, to assess a risk and to respond to that. And and I guess the more I thought about Tommy Lee Jones' response, it was certainly insufficient, but it seemed to me insufficient by his choice. That's an interesting uh, interesting take on it. Um, and also, I, my interpretation of Chigurh's uh, interview with the wife is that he did kill her, um, although it's—and he's checking his boots for blood as he's leaving— 
But it's one of the few killings of his that's not graphically shown. Right. So at least there's some ambiguity there. Um, and as with much of McCarthy's works, this, it's really a meditation, I think, on the violence people are capable of and how thin the veneer of civilization is, especially on, on the margins um, and with marginal characters. The other leadership lesson I picked up was the, uh, the character actor Stephen Root, who's listed in the credits as the man who hires Wells, um, finds out that assigning the same job to too many people can be counterproductive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great lesson. Um, the, uh, a couple of other uh, notes I have, Richard. Um, crime changed, and in this movie, law enforcement didn't change with crime, and I kind of hit on that theme a little bit earlier. But the other point I had was that uh, certainly in in the person of the Tommy Lee Jones character, Sheriff Tom Bell, the hero has grown old. And uh, I really took that as a meditation of um, the individual um, has been replaced by the corporation. Mm-hmm. And the corporation now controls, as, as you are, in fact, that was a great lead-in, because it was a corporation that hired the two hitmen, and that it was uh, it would be a corporation who would, uh, I think, would be able to respond to this situation from the law enforcement side of things, whether that be uh, a law enforcement agency with uh, greater resources or uh, something else. And uh, so it really uh, seemed to me to be uh, a lot of different themes um, and, and you're, now that you say it that way, a meditation is absolutely the appropriate word. Uh, because uh, once you get past being overwhelmed by the violence, I think there's a lot to think about. The first of all, the relationship uh, uh, between Josh uh, Rowland and his wife, I thought was that was very interesting. Um, it's, uh, Where'd you get it? At the getting place. <laughs> at the getting place. Uh, how he uh, stumbled upon a crime scene and uh, sort of probably from his Vietnam days, immediately or intuitively understood uh, that an ambush had happened and uh, that they were probably after something that they didn't get. Uh, When he takes the money, um, where he flees down to the Texas border, uh, the Woody Harrelson character uh, was uh, endlessly fascinating. Um, The scene where um, uh, uh, Javier is outside his uh, hotel room and... uh, when Javier's one of his tricks is to take the light hall light out, mm-hmm. uh, and the minute the hall light goes out, he knows, you know, time uh, time to get ready to scoot, <laughs> uh, which uh, which he does. The um, uh, self catheterization of the wound by Javier, yeah. and uh, stitching himself and shooting himself up after he is uh, wounded in a fight um, with Josh Brolin character. Um, it was. Uh, I was very disappointed in one part, which is when the Josh Brolin character dies. Uh, you don't see that death in the movie. Uh, uh, the implication is that he is killed by yet another group we haven't talked about, a uh, Mexican gang, who's also after the money. And uh, they um, have a big shootout at, the, at a hotel, and uh, the police show up before they can uh, find the money that Josh Brolin has hidden. I read a couple of articles in preparation for this podcast that suggested uh, the reason we don't see him is because he got away. Hmm. And uh, (laughs) everything was too hot, uh, so he just fled. Uh, I tend to reject that because of the scene with his wife at the end when his wife is at her mother's funeral by herself. 
But um, nevertheless, that's an interpretation that I had not considered. I had not either. <laughs> so uh, there's really a lot going on in this movie. Um, I love Cormac McCartney. Uh, I highly commend both the book and the movie, but I do uh, agree that it is a very violent movie. And um, it, it was really shocking for me the first time I saw that kind of... I'd seen violence on the big screen, but it's still shocking. Yeah, yeah. No, this is... In, in movie terms, I would also say the cinematography and the West Texas scenery are outstanding. Um, the book is really told from the perspective of, of Sheriff Bell, and the movie intercuts as much or more with uh, Sugar and uh, Moss's viewpoint. Right. And it's really hard to upstage Tommy Lee Jones, but I think both Brolin and especially Bardem in, in, in this movie are absolutely riveting. Uh, and Bardem, this is one of the great, uh, not just bad guys, evil characters <laughs> in the movies. He is just a complete psychopath and uh, will kill you just as soon as look at you or make you flip a coin. One of the uh, tidbits I ran across was that the novel may have been partially based on the 1973 Walter Matthau movie, Charlie Varick which uh, I need to go back and watch. I, I saw that uh, reference as well, and, and I thought the same thing because it's been years since I've seen that movie, and frankly, I can't hardly even remember it. Yeah, but I think that that does show the interplay between the, the two media. So uh, where do you see this movie in the Coen Brothers pantheon? Ooh, interesting question. Um, I think it's probably one of their best. Right. Um, it's not the best. Certainly the Academy agreed with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess for me, it's still uh, Blood Simple. Yeah. That was so different uh, to anything I had seen at that point in my life. Uh, it was uh, very violent as well, uh, but uh, a great plot twist. And um, uh, I guess it was just so stunning for me. For That was their kind of uh, big day pr- uh, pr- uh, premiere. Uh, that's that's still my favorite, but um, this one is definitely right up there. Yeah, we'll have to go back and rewatch that one. A lot of his other stuff is just um, I don't know. There's there's a comedic twist to it, right? That's that's totally absent in this one, really. Very satirical. This has no comedy. <laughs> well, uh, highly recommend this one too. The I think the Academy got this one right as well. Um, so for this year, that's the end of our. Best Picture Reviews, and uh, until next time, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock High. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.